Welcome to the Ars Technicast, where Ars Technica writers and editors discuss the latest in the worlds of science, computing, technology, and everything else in between. During each episode, we dig deep into some of the issues we're writing about at ArsTechnica.com. We also talk about some of the stuff we're doing when we're not circling around the Ars orbiting headquarters. I'm your host, social editor Cesar Torres, and I am joined here with my co-host, Ars contributor Casey Johnson. Hello. Hey, hey. And this week we've got in the studio with us uh, senior product specialist Andrew Cunningham. Hello. So this has been a really big week for Google. We are just now coming off their, uh, they hosted an event, they announced the new Nexus 7, they announced Android 4.3, and big surprise, they announced the Chromecast, which is a HDMI dongle that costs $35 that plugs into a TV and allows you to stream video from either a smartphone, a tablet, even a PC if you have, if you are using Chrome, presumably, at this point, and the video can then be controlled from the device that it's streaming from, and it's actually, it's pretty nifty, but there are also some things that Google was not so upfront about, about the device. Uh, One of my bugaboos is that it requires a power cord and is not a true dongle. It's more like a sort of a box that does not have a cord going to the HDMI port, but um. The Nexus 7, Andrew, I think I, I've, I've barely even looked at some of the news regarding this, but you can probably fill us in better than I can regarding what is new and different. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes the basic 7-inch tablet um, style, I guess, that they introduced last year with the, with the first Nexus 7, and it just upgrades everything. Like, we've, we've had some time to um, put our hands on it a little bit and run some benchmarks on it. Um, it's got a much higher resolution screen. It's a uh, 1920 by uh, 1200 compared to 1280 by 800 on the old tablet, and that's in the same screen size. Screen size, so um, pictures and text and everything should be much sharper. And um, it's also running a new uh, chip from Qualcomm that is that is way faster than the Nvidia chip in the outgoing tablet. So it it's it's is a it similar... the 800 Snapdragon 800 uh, Snapdragon S4, which is a little bit older. I suspect that they got a okay. discount on that because it's it's a little older than like mm-hmm. the 600 and the 800. Um, one of which is really popular in high end devices now, and then the 800 is going to start being popular. I think toward the end of the year in phones and tablets. But um, yeah, they, they basically just took the Nexus 7 and they supercharged it. So like the memory is faster, the storage is faster, the uh, processor and the GPU are both faster. So it's just, it's a Nexus 7, but it's more and they're only charging 30 extra dollars for it. So it's 229 for 16 gigabytes instead of 199. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I I think I didn't realize that the price went up. That's interesting. Yeah, it went up a little bit. So, you've you've had you've had an Nexus Seven for this last year, haven't you? You bought one yourself and you've been using yeah. it, and it's held has it held up well for you. Yeah, the thing with the current Nexus Seven is that there have been a lot of reports, and I don't. I mean, I don't like to put a ton of faith in like anecdotal forum reports because you can get like a very very small subset of like the total user base 
complaining about the same problem that they're all having and it sounds like everybody's having it when really maybe it's just a few loud people. <laughs> but there have been a lot of anecdotal mm-hmm. reports about it kind of slowing down over time and getting, you know, the store, the, um, I'm sorry, the performance of the tablet just being a little less consistent uh, than it was when they took it out of the box. Um, nobody is mm-hmm. quite sure why that's happening. There is some speculation that it's because of the flash memory that um, Google and Asus used when they when they built the tablet. Um, I've I've noticed. I can't tell if it's just slowed down or if it was never quite as responsive as something like an iPad. But I mean, I do notice some jerkiness, especially if I'm trying to like download something and then browse the web at the same time. But I'm still pretty happy, I think, with the with the performance of the old one. And I, I mean, I use it as yeah. a Kindle and okay. stuff all the time. So. I mean, I feel like I've heard whisperings of Android devices having this problem, not just the Nexus 7, that they do sort of seem to get bogged down over time. And I don't know that there's a prescriptive solution to that yeah, problem. I mean, I'm not sure either. And if you talk to iPhone and iPad people, I mean, they'll say the same thing. It's just, it seems like true. it seems like things get slower as time goes on and as new software updates come out. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure some of that is just the natural deterioration of performance over time which is kind of a long slow process Mm -hmm. especially you know depending on the quality of the flash memory that you're using Um, some of it is that the new software does you know require more resources than the old software and then some of it might just be you know there are other faster devices that exist and so what once seems like a fast device no longer seems like a fast device i think it's maybe a combination of the three things Mm -hmm. yeah I've also heard of people saying like, oh, I just took all of the app, like I, I removed all of the apps that I don't use from my iPhone and they had, you know, a hundred or whatever apps on there. And now it's suddenly so fast and it's just amazing. Yeah. So hopefully that won't be a problem with the new one, or hopefully that will be something we stop hearing about with the Nexus 7. Um, Android 4.3, I feel like I didn't see that much that is different in Android 4.3. They mentioned Maps. That was about the only thing that stuck for me. Yeah, I mean, that kind of highlights Google's new, like, Android strategy. So Android 4.3 introduces a few new things, like Bluetooth 4.0 is one. Um, It makes a few small changes to um, how user profiles are handled and makes it possible to make, like, a private profile that the other users on the tablet can't get into. But, like, most of the features, things like Gmail and Maps and... um, I don't know, other applications, like even the keyboard now has been like broken out by Google and, you know, being updated separately. So like the core of Android is bringing these kind of under the hood features while all the all the apps and everything are now being like updated through Google Play kind of one at a time and kind of independently of each other. So then it seems like Google, Google is almost reluctant to like actually put anything in an update that people can actually see i wonder if they're trying to like stop people from complaining that they don't have the most recent update because the most recent update doesn't really have anything except for under the hood changes that don't really make a difference to anybody yeah i mean i definitely think they're trying to help their partners save a little bit of face and um to make so like let's go back to i think android 4.0 which was when um google was still pushing out updates to you know big apps like gmail and stuff as a part of the operating system 
there are still, I think it's like a mm-hmm. third of all Android phones are still not running Android 4.0, which came out, I think, in 2011. So, I mean, this is partly a way for Google just to make sure that people can actually use the new stuff that they're working on. And um, at Google I.O., mm-hmm. I mean, they focused almost exclusively on app updates and like API updates that users of most Android phones, I think going back to like version 2.2 or 2.3 could all benefit from without having to wait on like the carriers and the OEMs to update, update phones. So yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely it's, it's a way to try and shut the update conversation down by like changing the update conversation. You know, they can update security for certain Mm -hmm. things and features for certain things without it really mattering whether you've got 4.1 or 4.3 or, you know, what have you on your phone. Which is a little bit fair, too, because 4.2 isn't that different than 4.1, which isn't that different than 4.0. So it's sort of like we're we're having, I, I feel like there's, there is a lot of dust up over having the most recent Android version, but it's increasingly, it, it matters increasingly less. Is that the right way to say that? <laughs> it it matters. It matters not as much to go from four point out to four point one yeah. or four point one to four point two. It's 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 not like two point. It's not like it was from two point out to two point one to two point three. Yeah, like two point three to four point oh, I think was the last huge interface change, and then the rest, like four point one, four point two, four point three, have all focused mostly on things like um, Project Butter, which was Google's initiative to kind of speed up and make Android performance more consistent, and like Bluetooth 4.0, which is, you know, a nice checkbox, but it's not something that you're going to wow the average consumer with, I don't think. (laughs) Like, yeah, so actually using an Android device running 4.0 is not going to be drastically different from using one with 4.3. They're introducing most of their new stuff like new map stuff new gmail stuff new chrome stuff through the apps themselves these days Mm -hmm. so you raised a good question earlier today which is why is google announcing this stuff now uh more specifically why didn't they announce it at google io why i mean i'm sure there's there could very well maybe just google doesn't care about when things are announced and it's just like it's ready when it's ready but um you posed an interesting theory earlier (laughs) I feel like this podcast has just been all me talking so far, but, um, yeah, it's, it's like, if you look at Apple, say Apple will have like two or three or maybe four like big media events every year where it dispenses like new announcements about products, um, you know, new product launches. And then in between those, like, I think if you followed our coverage of their earnings call yesterday, like in between their major announcements, they are really tight-lipped about about even like even a little bit of information get it, getting out. Um, whereas Google is like they have the big stuff. Like Google I/O was a was a huge keynote. I mean, I, it was I was there. It lasted like three hours. It was terrible. <laughs> um, but they they seem more willing to release little things and in, in in bits and pieces um, over time. I don't know if that's like a strategy just to keep themselves in the headlines all the time or if that's just like part of their company culture like with their software that's always getting you know little updates and rarely you know getting big huge ones all at once does that make sense Mm -hmm. i think it is i think it is a good strategy on their part because yeah holding out the way that apple does for these for these big secrecy shrouded events 
is something that only Apple can really do because only Apple makes people froth at the mouth over all of their secrecy. Like people are talking about Apple between Apple events, regardless of whether Apple is saying anything yeah. all the time. <laughs> like there's <laughs> constant, constant leaked sort like sources leaking to the Wall Street Journal over, you know, the Apple TV really is coming or, you know, all of that stuff. But Google can make its can keep its own conversation going. They have their they they have their hands in so many pies at this point. They're just like they can be rolling things out all the time as they're ready. Um I guess the only problem presented there is it doesn't really you don't really get the picture of a a sort of like ecosystem that all fits together in a certain way. Like I feel like when Apple, for instance, announces um, updates to OS 10 and iOS 7 at the same time, you can kind of see um, syn- like a synergy, I guess, between them to use a terrible word. <laughs> but when Google Google is releasing these things sort of piecemeal, they can't say, you know, oh, here's our, here's our Samsung Galaxy S4 running stock Android. And then here's how that fits into Here's here's how that those changes ring with our new Nexus Seven, and here's how those things can work with the the Chromecast, for instance. Like, I it's sort of left as an exercise to the reader to put all of those things together in this format, which is I don't know I don't know that it's necessarily to Google's advantage, given that Google actually is everywhere. They don't have to try and like worm their way into our you know, they're everywhere on my browsers yeah, well, and stuff. So, and I think the like the post Larry Page Google has gotten a little more cohesive and a little more consistent. Like, like you can see them killing off all these like side projects that some board engineered started, but like, isn't really important to their core of their strategy, which is like, get all of your info into Google plus by hook or by crook. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But well, yeah, see, they, I have a problem yeah. with that. And I feel like I'm like beating this, conspiracy theory into the ground and i feel like no one will listen to me but i i believe it more than anything i have believed in my life is that like google <laughs> is this on this march to google plus and i feel like i'm saying it and people are just like maybe they just don't really care as much as about having to use google plus as i do but um there have been a lot of stories that have come out about why for instance google killed google reader saying that it uh they do they do sort of see google plus as a as a replacement a more modern day version of google reader and that um google did one of the reasons google killed off reader was that nobody wanted to really take responsibility for the project because it was not considered important by larry page and it was just sort of like you're not you're not going to advance in your job if you're taking on this sort of passion product that has no real meaning to Google the company. Yeah, there's like that mythical L team, like his his inner circle that everybody really wants to get in on. And apparently, mm-hmm. working on Google Reader was not a way was not a fast track to the L team. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what can you do? Like, it's I can I can I can understand that from the perspective of Google employees, but I feel like if Google were really that customer focused, knowing how much people love Google reader and obviously they must know because they see the traffic, they would find a way to make it work. But maybe there's just an, I don't know. I don't know what dig is doing to make their, to make their reader quote unquote work. I know it's intensive and it's a hard thing to maintain or make good or make any better than what everybody thinks of an RSS reader. But 
at the same time, it left many people very sad. So <laughs> I'm still sort of resentful of Google Plus for taking it away, <laughs> as I think some people are. Yeah, like use use your um, platform here, your podcasting platform to um, like what <laughs> what is it that bothers you so much to- about the Google Plus thing? I'm not saying that I like Google Plus or that I use Google Plus. I'm just trying to draw you out and like get you to to Well, elaborate. okay, here's the thing. It doesn't bother me that much in a sense because um, what we conceive of as the Google Plus that we hate right now, or I'm sorry, some of you, some people don't hate it. I don't really <laughs> hate it that much. I just don't use it and I don't really see it. seems redundant to You're me. Using but, the royal um, we there, not, what not we, to imply uh, yes. anybody else. No, no. I think, I mean, it has its fans. I have no doubt of that, but I think... What what could possibly make somebody mad about Google Plus absorbing all of these features that we do or even don't use is that Google Plus is sort of just a lesser, still sort of a lesser Facebook at this point. And a lot of people do see it that way. But the more, the more services it absorbs, the more powerful it becomes. And when... Google Plus is sort of everything. It won't be Google Plus anymore. So I I can get behind the idea of it absorbing everything for that reason. But I feel like I maybe I just want more transparency from Google on that's what they're doing because I feel like that is so certainly their roadmap that I just I want I want I want them to just make everything like just say you're going to make everything Google Plus or just like just like go ahead right now and like really wrap everything in the Google Plus interface and just get it over yeah. with instead of you know picking picking things piecemeal here and there and and then trying to like trying to like sneak up on me with Google Plus like I don't appreciate that I just <laughs> want you to like put it in front of me and say this is what things are. Yeah, it's like they they want to make you a Google Plus user and they want to do it so gradually that you don't even notice it's happening until you are unable to escape. I think yeah that that's probably what bugs it bugs me about it and like more more to the Google Reader thing I think the thing that really bothers me about the idea of Google Plus as a Google Reader replacement is I don't like any of these services and even Google search has started to do it, you know, more recently, but things that like value, like things that use the personal data that I've stored in their services to deliver me search results and news items that they think I will be more interested in. It seems like you're kind of asking for confirmation bias and like, and this is something I try to combat on Twitter is I try to follow people who I don't necessarily agree with because I don't want to get stuck in that like social media echo chamber that I think like Facebook sticks people in sometimes. I think Google plus is moving toward sticking people in it. Like with Google reader, I can just pick my sources and get everything from all of them. But with Google plus, it's kind of more like curated by the people who I'm friends with. Does like, does this make any sense at all? It just bothers me. It it seems like it's just inviting like confirmation bias and stuff. Yeah, it is. That is a problem. That is that I would agree that that's a reason why Google Plus can't be Google Reader. Is it's just sort of too. It, it's it ultimately will end up too curated, more like Facebook, just like showing you what it thinks you want to see without having being being an algorithm, not an actual good idea of what you want to see. And it is sort of the. I mean, it's the Netflix problem too. It's like how do you 
how do you pollinate somebody's somebody's taste that seemed so clearly defined from the perspective of the service? How do you how do you pollinate pollinate it with outside stuff and keep it sort of flowing? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's almost certainly a problem they're thinking about, but it is it is just the prospect is annoying that people will be eventually choosing and filtering what it is that I see. And I can't just subscribe to something and see all of it. If I want to, there's, I think on, I don't believe on Facebook that there is a good way to do that. You can't like, you have to, I think you might have to go to a special interface. If there's something that you subscribe to in order to see everything they've ever posted, you might just have to like go directly to their page, which is not a user friendly yeah, right. <laughs> approach. So I don't know. I, that's, that's something that Google has not really done much with in the news recently, but it does, it does bother me, but it's just the sneak, it's the sneaking up concept that, that they've decided that people are not going to go to Google plus of their own will. So they have to just sort of like spread it. Like they have to like paint us into a Google plus corner by <laughs> taking away everything that we love. So, okay. The, um, we, we haven't really touched on the, I mean, I touched on the Chromecast, but we haven't really discussed it yet in volume. And I think that's probably a pretty important thing to cover here. Um, the fact that they're basically, they basically made an Apple TV that works very differently than Apple TV and that it seems, it seems, I mean, I've never, I've never used an Apple, I've never owned an Apple TV. I'll say it that way. I have used one, but it seems a little bit more diverse in its ability to draw in video content than does an Apple TV. Yeah, it seems and, and at least, I mean, I have not, I've not used the the Chromecast yet. So, I mean, I can't, all I can say is based on what Google's presentation was. And as I think we might talk about later, their presentation kind of left some stuff out that I think is pretty important. Um, but it seems like, you know, Apple TV can do AirPlay, like it can stream stuff from your iOS devices, but it can also run local apps and kind of be its own thing like it can draw its own content in itself you can download stuff from itunes you can stream stuff from um, netflix and hbo go and you know whatever their supported services are whereas the chromecast it seems like they have just built this they've built this interface or they've built like this standard and any app on like ios or android or in chrome that you know supports it anything that can look out and see that there's a Chromecast device, you know, present and push information to it can stream stuff to it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's a hundred percent correct, but it just, it seems like it relies a little bit more on your phone or your tablet or whatever your, you know, whatever the device doing the pushing is for its like core functionality. Whereas yeah. Apple TV can work as more of a standalone thing. And I think that's true of like Roku and the other set top right. boxes too. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the the Chromecast is it the only the only non Google thing it can do right now is Netflix, whereas Apple TV can do uh can it do it can do Hulu. They were in talks to do a Time Warner app for it to pass through cable. Um it's it's really it's developed some breadth at this point, which the Chromecast I think is sort of lacking if you do anything other than watch Netflix or YouTube. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Chromecast um, was just so announced that's, today, I mean, so maybe we can, like, thing... give it a second. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, like, give it one second. <laughs> just, like, let it breathe. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, the they did they yeah they did release a an SDK today, so I'm sure we will be seeing a lot more apps presently. But but the problem is, I mean, the SDK is like free for everybody to use, and that's fine. But what they really want, there, I mean, companies like Hulu, for instance, or I'm going to go out on a, on a limb and say they would like to have Amazon Instant Video on there. It's like um, they are not going to, they were Amazon video, Amazon, the Amazon video team was not watching this presentation and then being like, Oh goody, there's an SDK out. We're going to like, go do this immediately. Like they are, they are in back rooms with Google and Google has been trying to get them on board for, I don't know, probably a really long time. So I think, I think the most important strategic partnerships there are, are just that. And I think, Maybe maybe we should be a little bit alarmed that nobody else is on board yet, or maybe Netflix wanted this to be an exclusive thing for them, mm-hmm. and everyone else is being so sort of held at arm's length until the Chromecast gets some traction from being like the quote unquote Netflix bridge for different devices. Yeah, I mean it's important to remember at this point that Google has thrown several TV related things at the wall at this point. And none of them have really mm-hmm. stuck. Like um, Google TV, of course, is the, is like the big one that just never ended up going anywhere. Um, I'm pretty sure people still make mm-hmm. Google TVs, right? Like it just it's it's this presence is, in mean, the market is so minimal as to be like realistically, effectively non-existent. And then there's also the Nexus Q, which mm-hmm. I think people people were drawing some parallels between the Chromecast and the Nexus Q, and saying like. The Chromecast is what the Nexus Q looks like if it did stuff that people wanted. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, so I yeah, mean, I think that is that is an interesting sort of connection to draw. Yeah, like if I'm a content provider and I look at what Google has done in the TV space so far, I'm gonna wait and see. Like, I'm not gonna jump at the chance to be a day one partner. I mean, Netflix's strategy is obviously get Netflix everywhere it can possibly go. Like run it on, mm-hmm. run it on your microwave, run it, like run it on your wristwatch, run Netflix everywhere. Um, whereas I don't, I don't think any of the other TV services mm-hmm. are quite that pervasive. Okay. I feel like, I feel like Google TV has turned into this thing that's almost Google in name only at this point. It's, I don't know that Google has really abandoned it and maybe it's, it's still Google at, to the, to the degree that eventually it's going to be rolled into Google plus, but. Um, I feel like companies that have adopted it, like LG, have taken it and run with it to the point that it's not even recognizable as a Google product anymore. So it's almost like the Chromecast is sort of like bringing that back home and making it what Google TV should have been in the first place, sort of absent a remote, like a dedicated remote and a giant set-top box and like its own sort of crazy smart tv interface and it's just sort of it's it's simple it keeps the interaction on a supplementary device and it's just it's just really pared down i feel like the google the google tv parallel that like i i I think that even if you buy like a google tv box from like western digital or um whoever it is i think vizio has one like whoever you're buying it from i think google still controls the software experience um mostly if not entirely i think the hardware people are just selling boxes that run the software that google maintains i mean to me it seems like 
another one of those Google projects that's going to survive for a while and then like quietly, as soon as they have something like like the Chromecast that's like more successful to replace it, they will like quietly and um, you know gracefully end of life it and stop supporting it eventually. I mean, I, I can't say for sure when that will happen or like if that will happen or how Google TV fits into like Google's plan for us, but. <laughs> Um, that's that's where I think mm-hmm. it's going anyway. It's it's becoming apparent even this short time after the presentation that Google actually smoothed over a lot of the rough edges of Chromecast in its presentation. They uh, they presented it as this dongle you can just plug into a TV and then you start a video on your Nexus Seven and you press the cast button and it shows up on your TV just like magic. But it seems like they're I, I mean at minimum. The dongle does require an extra power cable that you either have to plug into a USB port on your TV or um, to an adapter in the wall. It needs to be powered. It's not powered through the HDMI port. So that was one big sort of omission on their part, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, I, I've seen some people say uh, it requires its own Wi-Fi setup to... Yeah, like, and I'm, this is one of those deals where recording early, like, this is Wednesday, we post on Friday, and between now and Friday, how the thing works exactly will probably be, like, thoroughly Mm -hmm. dissected, but um, the screenshot that I've seen that's floating around is something that's trying to make you, on your phone or on your laptop running Chrome, switch from your, like, jump off of your main wireless network and jump onto whatever network the Chromecast is broadcasting. Mm -hmm. I mean... Um, I've not, seen I've yeah. seen people say that that's just for setup though that's that it makes its own Wi-Fi that's totally Wi-Fi possible. hotspot yeah. thing to just to to interact with it at first and then it's all on the same Wi-Fi network. I mean, but there is the aspect too of like it is it is sort of when when it is playing something, it's doing it on its own through its own wi-fi connection it's not like streaming from your tablet or whatever google made that pretty clear so i don't know if you have to sort of bracket its own you know its own space on your on your router or something to to give it i don't know enough bandwidth to to pull off what it has to do but anyway there is there are subtleties that i'm sure will come out once i once i get my hands on this thing which should be tomorrow yeah, because you'll you will actually be doing the review of that one, and then I'll be doing Android four point three mm-hmm. and the new Nexus seven. So just you know, teasing mm-hmm. those reviews. I, I I imagine both of them will be up next week. I don't want to commit <laughs> us to <laughs> to anything that we can't mm-hmm. hold to, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I'm really interested in seeing because the pitch for it made it seem like uh like these are these streaming problems, you know, streaming stuff from a laptop or from your phone to your TV. Are problems that I think, like, you know, the nerdy set have solved, but the way they pitch the Chromecast make it sound like it, you know, brings this stuff within reach of just anybody with a mm-hmm. phone. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see, like, how seamless the setup is and, like, how easy it is to, you know, stream stuff from your, you know, from the phone or tablet or laptop that you have to the device. That's really, that's really the benefit that it brings that I don't, I don't think other boxes have quite nailed mm-hmm. down yet. Well, I'm excited to try it out, and I really hope it works well and it's not frustrating. So, (laughs) okay. Well, um, should we keep going? Should we end here? I think we've we've 
hit most of the big okay. stuff from the from the okay. announcement. Yeah, so. that's I, I think this is good. So, all right, let's um. All right, I think that I think that concludes our show on Google's show, Google's Breakfast. Our show, <laughs> show about, about a show. show. Well, I mean, there was breakfast there too, and I think I. It seemed like it was pretty good. Google put out a pretty good spread for everybody at nine in the morning. We unfortunately did not have time on the podcast yet to go into the you know to really fully review the breakfast, will... but I really I feel like they could make a cronut <laughs> that was frosted. With the Chrome logo, and they could call it a Chrome nut. And why is why aren't they picking up on this? They could be trendy and delicious <laughs> all at the same time and promote and brand awareness. That's I know. That was really a misstep on their part, I think. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Andrew, for being on. Um, uh, thanks yeah, for having and me. And we'll be back in a couple weeks. Bye, guys. <laughs>